welcome to the Sunshine Sound Podcast with your host, Christine Mathias. I, I mean, if you look at, you know, like the satanic panic of the 80s and, you know, when people were like, oh, does listening to, you know, Judas Priest or Alice Cooper make people want to, you know, join cults and this and that and whatever. Like, I think it's for like the way Jeff and I see it, it's like the opposite. It's like if you can address what it, within you is dark and hurting and maybe a little disturbed and 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 put it out through art it it addresses something like really primal within you in a way that's like healthy and in a way that's healing hello and welcome to episode number 14 of this sunshine sound podcast in this one i interview jeff and candace from blood ponies they are a dark post-punk band based in san diego Candice is on drums and Jeff is on vocals and guitar, but for a duo, they have a really huge sound and that sound is driving and dark. So we chat about a lot of stuff uh, like the starter through band. They actually started off by playing a set as a Cure cover band at a Halloween show in 2015. But we also go into things like uh, how they produce such a huge sounds, how they rate their music, which is sounds pretty intuitive, uh, and why they're both drawn to kind of gruesome and mysterious things. Plus, we'll get a chance to listen to a couple of their tracks. Enjoy. So today in the studio, I have Jeff and Candace from The Blood Ponies. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Oh, sure. How are you guys doing? We're We're good. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah? It's kind of gloomy out right now, which we like, so that that works for us. It fits. It's it's our kind of day. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I get that vibe from your your look, your music. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you describe The Blood Ponies? Is it Blood Ponies or The Blood Ponies? We, we just go by blood pony. Okay, yeah, we know the the like the Facebook. But we're not we're not we're not like particular about it. If somebody <laughs> sure. says the blood ponies, that's fine. Yeah, uh, I would describe us as kind of a a heavy post punk band. Um, I don't know. Yeah, how I, t- I tend to say dark post punk or like goth influenced post punk. Yeah, um, I think you know we we obviously like have a lot of pretty dark influences bands like joy division or nick cave and the bad seeds that kind of thing um we've there have been a few times when we've kind of gotten paired with like these kind of campy like surfy zombie bands and it's like <laughs> like it's well, cool basically but, like yeah like rockabilly like or psychobilly or psychobilly psycho really sure. um which isn't really our thing like not that we have anything against it but it, it's just a different sound than what we do yeah yeah yeah, no, that makes sense. But I mean, I think especially in San Diego, it's like you get billed with, you get billed yeah. with. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a small community, yeah. and especially yeah. for like darker sounding bands, um, there's not. I, while we, I feel like San Diego right now has like a pretty good small group of of bands that are doing darker music, um, which even a few years ago, like wasn't necessarily the case, but it's still a really small group. So there's only like so many dark bands within San Diego that um, we really fit on a bill with, which we get. And, you know, that's, it is what it is. Um, But the, you know, the upside of that is we, we become good friends of all these. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. You wouldn't think like in San Diego, it's so sunny here (laughs) that there, there wouldn't be all this dark music. So that's, 
tough. It's almost but... kind of a necessity in a way because it's it's like, well, you know, obviously we live somewhere that's that's so pleasant to to be, but at, you know, at a certain point you kind of you kind of there's sort of that craving to to kind of be yeah, drawn you toward have the dark some side, balance, right? Yeah. I mean, right, if it's just totally. all sunshine all the time, then that I feel like that gets a little mind numbing. So you know, <laughs> you gotta you gotta have the dark to balance out the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Are okay. you guys from San Diego? Uh, more or less. You, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in North County, um, and and came down here for college. So I've been I've been living in San Diego proper for about eighteen years. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and I um I also went to high school in North County, and then I left and ended up coming back after college, and um have been here now for like 15 years. So mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I moved around all the time cause I was a military kid. So mm-hmm. I like, if any place is home, it's definitely San Diego. It's the place sure. I've lived the longest and have the most yeah. sort of connection with at this point. It's such a transient city for, for you to say you've been here that long. I mean, you're practically <laughs> natives. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so when did you two meet? Uh, we met 20 years ago. It was a pretty long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've known each other for obviously, obviously a very long time. Um, <laughs> but we have not been a band <laughs> for that long. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to tell the story? How we <laughs> well, uh, our bond is, is dark things. So, you know, we, we met um, at a Texas Chainsaw Massacre screening years ago nice. in the middle of the night. Um, and have just, uh, yeah, fermented a love of, of all things dark from music to movies to fashion. I mean, obviously people listening can't see us, but we're both wearing pretty <laughs> we're much wearing solid black. black. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I'll post a picture for <laughs> social media. <laughs> and I have a skull on my, on my jacket. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I like we're, it. We're very on brand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, was that in North County where you mm-hmm. met? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, that would... Yeah. Yeah, so we've known each other forever. We've been friends for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jeff has... uh, Jeff has been a musician the entire time that I, you know, even at the age of 15, he was in a band and... Yeah, um, I was was in a hardcore band in high school. (laughs) And then I... In the early 2000s, I was in a band that was kind of a little more like dance punky... Yeah, kind of yeah. more in the vein of like Q and not you, or like. Yeah, it was definitely in, in <laughs> yeah. that in that vein of stuff. Um, we were called QNIT. We were <laughs> only around for a couple of years, but it was fun. I mean, we couldn't keep a drummer to save our lives. <laughs> people Damn kept drummers. on drummers. Would, yeah, <laughs> seriously. No, but but people kept on like moving out of town or. Um, just like couldn't commit to anything. We must have gone through three or four drummers. I think until, you guys had like four drummers until finally in, we just had to say in the in the course of like three years. Oh, like wow. <laughs> it was yeah. really short. Yeah, it was tough because then they had to learn all of our songs over yeah, again. Right. And uh, and once once the other founding member of that band left San Diego, it was time to say, all right, I think we're done because yeah. then it's just like a whole new band. But with me, and I just it just felt like, yeah, I think I think it's run its course. Sure, yeah. yeah. And then so when when did Blood Ponies start? I guess it's been about three years now yeah. since we really like started writing songs together. I guess it was 2015. Our first, technically, our first show was we played a Halloween show in 2015. Perfect. Yeah, which was kind of an experiment in a way. Yeah, it, it was all. Um, 
it was at the hideout, which is now space. And they were doing a night of, since it's Halloween, it was all cover bands. So different bands were playing as other bands, like Boss Witch played as Nirvana. And Mm -hmm. we played as The Cure, which was an interesting experiment. Um, Obviously, we're both huge Cure fans, but it's interesting to take a band that has anywhere between like three and six members and then try to adapt those songs for two people to play. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had to be kind of um, strategic in what songs we picked. Mm -hmm. Um, We, I mean, we still picked some fairly ambitious songs, (laughs) but it it, it took a little, a little planning to figure out like, okay, if, if I can kind of combine the bass line and the lead to this song and we can also do the, so it was tricky. It was tricky, but we made it work. Yeah. It was kind of like a testing ground for, because we kind of just started, you know, jamming out some stuff together in uh, our practice space and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jeff had had this idea for a while, and I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I just don't know if, because um, I came to playing like later. I didn't start as a teenager. I started later in life, and so um, my, my playing drums had been very much like for myself, and I wasn't really sure if it was something that I was going to be comfortable like getting up on stage and doing in front of other people. So the the Halloween sort of like covers set was a good kind of like testing ground for me to be like, okay, is this something that I want to do and something that I'm going to be comfortable doing? Um, Cause it's a little less pressure when it's like not your own. Yeah. <laughs> you know? sure. It's like, it's a bunch of Cure songs. That's fine. I've been listening to those songs for decades. I can yeah. <laughs> probably play them in my sleep, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, we, we had a great time. And um, I think after that, I've actually felt like really good that I wanted to, you know, continue working on, making it a more full-fledged thing where we actually went out and played shows and recorded something and, you know, made it a, a real project. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it was called Blood Ponies at that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we started with the, with the name we the before name. we had <laughs> any actual we... songs or like, anything. Where, what's, it, what's up with the name? Like, where does that come from? Uh, kind of came to me one day. It, I think it was just sort of like a phrase that sounded kind of fun. Like, in, on on one level, it's like... It, you know, it's, it's, it's ponies, so it's like kind of, I don't know, kind of jaunty and fun, but then if you add blood to it, it makes it seem darker and more sinister, so I don't know. There's it just, just something like very disturbing about it. That's yeah. Yeah. what we liked about the combination. It's just, yeah, like something that sounds very ordinary, but is also kind of unsettling. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, seems like a yeah. good fit. It, it, easy to remember. It is. Yeah, yeah it's definitely easy to pretend from pronounce and everything yes it's always absolutely yeah. especially and i learned the hard way with my with my old band that like nobody oh, knew how to say how did you spell that c-u-n-e-y-t oh no z no yeah. you, can, you can remember that nobody oh, could remember it nobody knew how to say it right i don't even think we technically were saying it right because it was named it was named it was after turkish, a, right? a turkish actor who was in this this kind of ridiculous but sort of legendary bootleg version of star wars that was adapted for Turkish cinema, and and so we we didn't really know how to say his name, but we, but we just like liked the concept of this Turkish action hero being <laughs> our band. It didn't really work out well, but sure. But we uh, That's hilarious. But we went with it for a couple of years. Nice, yeah. nice, cool. So uh, okay, so you played the Halloween show, and then you decided like let's go for it, let's make this a real band. Or, yeah, and I think yeah. we had already written a couple songs. Yeah, we had been working on some songs at that point. We had a couple sketched out, and um, 
Yeah, and then the next show that we played was um, on the sidewalk in South Park during the walkabout, um, which it was just like a really odd, you know, venue for our sound, you know, because <laughs> typically you think of more like, yeah, like acoustic guitar and, and like families. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was the Christmas like oh, holiday wow. walkabout too, so it was even more it was like a little, out of It was a little sync. odd. Because there were people who were having dinner that were kind of like looking over <laughs> at us. Like, uh-oh, what are these guys doing? And playing outside on the sidewalk has its own special mm. challenges of like, like the sidewalk's really uneven, and so like my drum kit's really unbalanced, <laughs> oh, and like yeah. things like that. Um, Where was so, it? Were you guys like at least by Kindred, or <laughs> we were? We were right across we were. the street. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was okay, but um, uh, I, I, it was super fun. Um, and I think we only played like five songs, or like four or five songs. We at played, that point. A, yeah, we played a few originals, and then we played one of the Cure covers. Um, we didn't, we didn't want to really keep doing that because it was just sort of sort of a one-time thing although immediately after we played that care covers show someone hit us up to be to ask ask us to do it again <laughs> and that feeling of panic set in like is that what we are now we're gonna yeah be like we're just a cure cover, cover band. band we're like wait no we gotta no, nip this in the bud that's not, not what we're doing <laughs> that's here. not what we're doing uh, yeah but um so we played that show and it was fun uh, people seem seem to be into it um we were a little nervous that we'd be you know kind of annoying people <laughs> but, but uh but we had a pretty good response and then we our first like show show was at the tower bar in 2016 was that 2016 that's crazy yeah it was <laughs> wow. yeah so it was like february of 2016 yeah, yeah. so a little over two years ago mm-hmm. oh, it just feels cool. like it just feels like that was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so how how did you get hooked up with the um the walkabout? Like um, as a new band? It was actually um our hairstylist. Ah. <laughs> um, because we both go to Goldline Salon in South Park and um they had like just opened, hadn't they? Or was their one year anniversary? It was their or? one year anniversary. That's what I it think. was, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, since I, I we've just been clients for so long, they <laughs> had this idea that, that they were like, "Hey, we're gonna have a in conjunction with the walkabout, we're gonna have this one year anniversary party, and we think we need a band. So how about you guys play?" We're like, "Well, why not?" Yeah, cool. Yeah. So you just went for it. Yeah, nice. it was fun. We had a good time. We had a good time. It wasn't. I mean, well, there it... was this little boy who was watching <laughs> at the end. Told his mom, "When I grow up, I want to be a rock star." <laughs> <laughs> it was so That's cute. Awesome. It was like Jeff, blood, blood you're changing, lives. Yeah, yeah. changing people's futures. <laughs> I'm sure his mom was like, "Oh boy, I'm, I'm in for a world of trouble." Right. <laughs> That's a great career. Yeah. <laughs> the rock part is easy. It's the start of the tart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the tricky part. I'm still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you said that you like you write music together. Like it's mm-hmm. like how does that look like? For because I mean with a drummer and good guitar, yeah, yeah, we it, so it, it always starts with Jeff, pretty much. I I should probably describe a little bit about how our setup works since yeah. since there's only two of us, um, and it's hard to sound really full with only two people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time when you see two-person bands um i mean there's a lot of ways to make it sound rich and and dense but it it always runs the risk of sounding like something's missing Mm -hmm. so i actually use two amps 
Um, so one of them is is basically a bass line. I run uh, an octave pedal out to a bass amp, and then all the leads are through uh, a guitar amp. And so those are kind of both going simultaneously. So it sounds like there's a bass line oh, interesting. underneath mm-hmm. uh, the guitar. And, um, and I just try to write melodies that... Uh, for for lack of a better word, in stereo, so that it kind of sounds like there are these two separate elements to it, so that the the leads are higher up and then the kind of underlying bass notes sort of sound like their own bass line. So it took a little while to try to figure out how to do that and make it sound natural because it's... You know, I could just play power chords the whole time, and it'll probably work, but it won't sound that interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so there was some trial and error with that, but um, but usually it it starts out with with me kind of coming up with a cool riff or a cool melody, and then and then uh, when when it comes time to practice, I'll be like, hey, I came up with this thing, and I'll show you, and then she'll come up with the rhythm, and then we'll kind of build it out from there. It usually just starts with one element, and then at once we have that down, then we'll add like an intro or a, or a bridge or you know what have you and then and that's usually how it works it, it all yeah. usually comes together pretty quickly yeah it, it always starts with jeff bringing me like like he said either a a melody or you know maybe a like a verse worth of guitar that he's he's working on and kind of saying like how do you feel about this what do you think of the sound mm-hmm. so far and um and then i'll usually kind of like sit with it a little and then, you know, try to think like, try to write some drum piece that complements it. And then I'll take it back to him and we'll kind of like play with that little chunk and go like, okay, do we feel like this is going in a direction that we both like, Mm. or is it just not working? Cause we found pretty early in our, in our process of writing together that like the best songs that we've written have just come together really fast. It's been more like when we've struggled and labored over something for like, weeks or sometimes even months and we still can't finish it and we're still just like not going somewhere that like after doing that a few times we realize like that just that's not our rhythm like if we can't get it out naturally without like forcing it then there's a reason for that so we yeah. just yeah we've we've gotten into this pretty good system of like if it's not if when we take our two pieces and bring them together and it doesn't like like there's this really amazing like synergy that happens when like he's come up with something, I've come up with something and then we start playing them and then we're able to just kind of like almost like improvise from there and just like keep going and come up with more more pieces as we're playing. That is a really great feeling and like that's when we know we've got something that's working. It's more when we get to this point where we're like, okay, well now what do we do with it? And we just kind of, you know, <laughs> stare at each other and we're like, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. Yeah, then, there's there's actually a couple of good examples for for both extremes. Um, there's one song that we had this. I had this riff that I really liked, and I had been playing it. And Candace was like, "Okay, yeah, all right. I mean, I I think maybe we could do something with that." And and we just kind of kept working on it, and it sounded fine, but it just didn't feel right. And the longer we worked on it, like the more frustrated we got (laughs) until eventually 
I think you just got up and said, I need to just walk away from this. <laughs> yeah. Because we yeah. were we were just kind of beating it into the ground and we didn't we didn't like it any better. And well, I, yeah, I mean we spend months laboring over this thing and then you're just like and I still don't like it. So that's not a good sign. You can't yeah, you can't force it. I think if 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 even if there's like you could probably salvage an element of it and work it into something else, but I think when you try to turn it into something that it isn't, that's when you have a problem. But there's another song that we're right now we're in the middle of writing an album and um, and we just kind of had this kind of groove that that we came up with. And so the other day we we hadn't really spent a lot of time on it on this one sort of specific sketch. And the other day we just kind of like let a loop go and just started kind of playing some stuff on top of it and it just came together almost like magically like there we we didn't even have to talk about it or discuss it it just kind of happened and we just kind of looked at each other afterwards and said that was amazing that was that was the song that was awesome like that's it right there the problem is i feel like i have a really terrible memory so i'm always like ah okay we got to record this before i forget (laughs) what i played like i'm not gonna remember how i played that so um so we'll actually we'll do that a lot where we'll just like bust out someone's phone and just like record it really quick so some quickie demos you know two days later when i sit back down i'm like shit what was i playing in that (laughs) that bridge that sounded really cool yesterday yeah yeah Yeah, very cool i love when that magic happens Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good good feeling for sure yeah Yeah. so let's take a quick break and listen to one of the tracks that you sent me me some really cool songs so uh let's listen to let me in sure
That's a really cool track. And you guys have a music video for that one. We right? do. We yeah. do. Yeah. Um, I, it's still, it's like one, one of the first songs we wrote together and it's still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, that song was probably the moment when we realized that we were, <laughs> we had kind of had something cool Yeah. Mm-hmm. and that we felt really good about the direction of the band. Yeah. I just, I just love playing that song. It's just really fun to play. <laughs> it was, yeah, super fun song. So what yeah. was that making that video like? Um, that was pretty crazy. It, we, we did it really fast. Um, yeah, it, it, we did it in one weekend and, um, we had reached out to some kind of friends of friends who had made, um, they did, they did some videos for the band Tropical Popsicle. And I don't know that band, but I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not really active anymore, um, but they were for for a while. Yeah, they, they, um, they've basically gone into retirement. Yeah. But, well, a couple of the members um, are in the band The Cabs right now, um, and I think the other two aren't really doing anything. One yeah. of them just left San Diego, but and anyhow, they yeah. they um, were friends with you know the guys in that band and um, had been fans, and um, they had a, a video. Um, for one of their songs called, I think it was the Ghost Beacons video, right? Ghost Beacons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just remember talking to them. And I was like, hey, I really love the video. We are looking to do a video soon. Um, who did you use? And um, they had a couple of friends who were originally from San Diego that live in L.A. now um, working in TV. and. <laughs> yeah, I think they work for Comedy, Comedy Central, Central or now. something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but they just, you know, still like making music videos sort of as like there they kind of do it for fun yeah just yeah. for fun um which cool. was amazing and so just because they they like music and they like the medium i think yeah. yeah so we um we sent them the track and we're like hey you know our friends recommended we reach out to you and they were basically like yeah we would love to work with you guys um just you know if you just cover the costs of our like productions um <laughs> equipment rentals and things like that oh, like nice. we'll make it for you so mm-hmm. um yeah we did most of the concepting and everything over emails and then they came down to san diego for the weekend and we shot part of it at our house with a like a green screen background and then part at um our friend um brit who's actually the female star Mm -hmm. in um so that's she's the final girl in the video yeah Yeah. (laughs) she's um uh that's her house actually so we shot with her um over basically one day and Mm -hmm. um and they put it all together for us and it was um, it was so much fun to work on and, you know, um, I'm sure even if you're not familiar with the, like, it was kind of, uh, based around the, um, the film repulsion, like the concept for the video. But I mean, even if you're not like super familiar with that, that particular film, I think you kind of just get a like, you know, uh, horror movie sense Mm -hmm. from it in general, Mm -hmm. which is, um, I think Mm -hmm. as much as like other bands inspire us horror movies inspire us a lot too horror horror movies and like weird stories of like uh like either true crime or like unexplained phenomena yeah things like that is a big fan of stories that have no explanation like that's yeah yeah i mean i think we both are but like you in particular really gravitate to stories that don't have an explanation i mean i i kind of tend to go down some internet rabbit holes about like weird (laughs) mysteries and things like that yeah does that does that come out in the lyrics yes yes it happens (laughs) a lot well some of them aren't aren't mysteries per se um 
actually let me in is is based on a, kind of a real story of somebody who disappeared um and just the details of the story were kind of fascinating to me and so i just kind of like what happened do you remember <clears throat> well i i can't remember the name of the of the person who disappeared but basically she crashed her car in this was somewhere in in New England, New Hampshire, or Vermont or something like that. And she went to like knock on a on somebody's door for help because she'd gotten into this accident and then like he said he'd go back in to call, you know, 911 or something and then when he came back out she she was gone and it was snowing and like she probably just wandered off into the elements and mm -hmm. in all likelihood probably froze to death or something like that. But um, it's just one of those things where like the deeper you go into it, there's these weird little details where, where you kind of think, hmm, well, that's weird. That's suspicious. <laughs> and they never found her? No. Like no. they never found her body or anything? No, no Ryan. trace of her. I mean, you know, it's, it could be one of those things where um, – animals got to her sure. or something like that it's i don't think that's super uncommon uh, yeah in that sort of situation but there are other there are other songs where um it's well, i'm just thinking because this is a topic or an inspiration of another song did she fake her own death mm. maybe that's what it's she possible was doing. some people believe that that's what she did <laughs> and um and and that so Jeff has another song that he like lyrically it was in, I think inspired around the idea of people faking their own deaths right yeah, yeah. well do, are you familiar with lore podcast no it's this it's a it's a, one of our favorites it's it's this podcast basically about kind of these weird m myths it's sort of like the true life stories behind popular like folklore hmm. but it's always kind of creepy stuff like some of it is about like how va how vampires came into popular belief or things like that this was a story about uh h.h H. holmes who was w one of the most prolific early serial killers of of the 20th century um but he actually was hired by somebody to produce a corpse for insurance fraud so <laughs> it's a, such an wow. outlandish story yeah. and so so grotesque but it was just sort of like yeah i'll kill somebody for you and so you can fake <laughs> your own death and collect the money and like yeah well it was weird i think at the time we were writing this like we both ended up in this weird like uh internet podcast mm -hmm. reading about like people faking their own deaths and so i got really fascinated by something that i learned about how like it seems like men fake their own deaths way more frequently than women do. Hmm. And there's sort of like two, two reasons why that could be, or maybe it's probably both is like one, it's just, you know, women when confronted with something challenging rather than thinking like, how can I trick the world so that I can get out of this challenging <laughs> situation? They just face it. Um, you or know. they're or just better They're at just it. better at it. That's <laughs> the other possibility is that men get caught more. So like that's mm. how we know that that more men fake their own deaths than women. So it could be that women are doing it just as much, but they're better at it. I so, yeah. so just now when you were like, well, they never found her body. I'm like, what if it, it, she uh -huh. faked her own death? She was a college student though, so I'm not sure that 
that's a pretty sophisticated level of yeah. crime for <laughs> someone of that my, age. My guess is it was probably she, she kind of succumbed to the elements, but you never know. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, as, as, that's the other thing, as much as I love these kind of weird rabbit hole mysteries, I'm also kind of a realist, like I don't. You know, Sasquatch is probably a bear, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird contradiction, but I, I'm still super fascinated by them. Sure, yeah. sure. So what, what is it about, like, dark, grotesque things <laughs> that that draws you together and interests you? Um, I th- You know, I think it's like, um, I think we all have, this is going to sound really... I don't know, heavy and possibly pretentious, likely pretentious. <laughs> like I think we all like Lean if we're being it. if we're being <laughs> yeah. real with ourselves, right? We all have really dark feelings, and I think you can either like suppress them and hide them and like try to be like, "Yay, I'm everything's so good and everything's so happy," or you can channel those feelings into a positive and productive direction, right? Like, that's the way I look at it. So, like, you know, there are always these things that come up at, like, about, like, I, I mean, if you look at, you know, like, the satanic panic of the 80s and, you know, when people were like, oh, does listening to, you know, Judas Priest or Alice Cooper make people want to, you know, join cults and this <laughs> and that and whatever. Like, I think it's for, like, the way Jeff and I see it, it's, like, the opposite. It's, like, if you can address what... within you is dark and hurting and maybe a little disturbed and, and, and put it out through art. It, it addresses something like really primal within you in a way that's like healthy and in a way that's healing. And that's sort of like what I, and you know, I've, I talk about this too on like a religious level, like Mm. I'm an atheist. I don't believe that, my anything is going to happen to me after I die other than my bones will decompose and you know Mm -hmm. um so that also is like there's a little bit of like a reconciling with the finality of life and like Mm -hmm. what it means and understanding that like there is an end and there is there is dark and there is there are all these things it helps it's like that gives me a clarity around it in addressing it rather than being afraid of it. That was a lot of answer. <laughs> Jeff may feel differently. I agree with, with everything that, that Candace said, um, but I, I have another addition to that, which is that on an aesthetic level, I find that um, I get a certain kind of... Mm, nourishment of sorts <laughs> from from dark art um and there's a lot of bad dark art so it's not oh, a, yeah, it's not a sure. blanket thing yeah. yeah but um i know that when i listen to sometimes like really abstract drone music that's kind of intense and kind of heavy um one person can listen to it and hear something that's that's kind of really harsh or ugly, but I can listen to it and hear something kind of spiritual and meditative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that the more I do listen to, to music that has this kind of dark or abrasive element to it, I, I, I get something more out of it. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just because I'm always challenging myself to 
to seek out things that are a little kind of outside the mainstream or, or kind of beyond things that are m maybe more conventionally uh, accessible. Um, I don't know. There's just something something that I get out of it that that uh, I don't know. Kind of feeds this craving I have for for art that challenges me. And yeah, I think the the notion of something that challenges you when you listen to it is really important to both of us. We tend to just in the like the bands that we like and that we seek out and spend time with. Like we want to be challenged. We want to have something that maybe you know every time you listen to it, you're hearing something a little different. Um, you're you're interpreting it in your own way. You're getting something beyond just, well, isn't that pretty? You know, mm -hmm. there's or catchy or fun. Or, yeah, I not, mean, that, which not is, that we don't like fun or catchy sure. music. Yeah, yeah, and it's and to people who do like that's that's totally fine. Like, mm -hmm. and we are very um, aware of the fact that like our style of music is not for everyone, <laughs> and we're not going to kid ourselves into believing <laughs> that like we're going to become like pop sensations because mm -hmm. it's just like we know we're writing music that not everyone is going to be into. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's fine. Um, but to a certain a certain group of people, I think it will resonate. And even when we have just like connected with, you know, people at shows who we've never met mm -hmm. before, who seem to seem mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of feel what we're playing. Like, I want to be able to make music for people like that who feel like they don't have other bands that speak to them on that level necessarily or just not as many Mm -hmm. Sure. So, like, when people get you, it's like they really get you. Yeah, yeah I think right. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, like, who are some of your, like, influences, like, the bands that you were talking about that, like, you feel, like, challenge you? And Yeah. yeah. I mean, on a... Like, well, I mean, there's... there's there's We're influenced by so many different things. Um, I mean, when we started out, the first song that we ever wrote sounded kind of almost exactly like a Bauhaus song. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely about, if you're looking at like, you know, older bands for sure, like Bauhaus, The Birthday Party, Joy Division, mm -hmm. um, those have definitely been, you know, the cure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really like foundational in the kind of sound that we like and that we want mm -hmm. to um, certainly not copy, but just sort of like embody in that same sphere. Mm -hmm. But there have been a lot more new bands too, like um, the band Algiers, which we um, we played a show with them last year. That was a super fun show. Been huge yeah. fans of their work because again, it is so challenging. It's so hard to like pigeonhole it into a genre, and it touches so many different layers and and has so it's very like it's just very dense and interesting. And that is something that we always sort of like want to. Um, that's just what we like mm -hmm. when we mm -hmm. listen to music. Right. Sure. There's, I mean, there's a lot of contemporary bands that we really like, like Proto Martyr, um, Idols, um, Savages, Savages, huge Savages fan, yeah, Silent, who are oh, Silent from Mexicali, from Mexicali, mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, we played a show with them too, and that was really fun. Um, uh, but we also kind of get inspired by, you know, maybe things that don't come out so blatantly in in our music sometimes um there's one song that i wrote kind of back that was pretty it was like two years ago where i kind of took some inspiration from funkadelic wait <laughs> um, i don't even know this what yeah. song are you referring to i wasn't to? expecting you to say uh, that <laughs> finished oh okay 
Yeah. I, I, see, I, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> I borrowed a couple of phrases from Maggot Brain. I'll admit to it. Nice. But, um, I feel like every guitar player has at some point. Oh, of course, of course. Um, and uh, uh, PJ Harvey is also mm, another really big one. Okay. Nick Cave. Um, but, I, you know, I also listen to, kind of as I was saying, like kind of more abstract stuff. Like like Prurient is an artist that I really like. He's a, a guy who's been, for probably about 20 years, he's been around for a long time. He's been making... Um, kind of noise and drone and industrial stuff um and we've been kind of playing with more loops and Mm -hmm. and synthesizer stuff lately and so that's kind of been playing Mm -hmm. into kind of how i think about the the overall kind of texture of of our sound kind of even more than just the melody or the or the arrangement and just sort of like this just how to kind of blanket the Mm -hmm. the the space that our that our music occupies so stuff like that or, or pharmacon who's another mm-hmm. kind of industrial artist that does kind of intense like really sort of primal stuff and when i hear that i don't necessarily think like oh, i want our music to sound right like that, i mean but... no one's ever gonna like confuse us with being an industrial band mm-hmm. but right. um yeah but there's definitely an element of just sort of like like Jeff saying, like the feeling and the mood of industrial music that we want to kind of channel when with our own stuff. So yeah, the what we're working on for the new album, we are experimenting with more like like he said, like drones and loops and things like mm. that to try to add mm-hmm. an additional layer. Um, yeah, so how are you doing that while playing <laughs> guitar? <laughs> um, so we yeah we kind of have to. It's, I can't do both at the same time <laughs> unless I grew a couple more sure. arms. Well, um, we're even like trying. I mean, we have ideas for like how it would get recorded but then like how it would get played live so yeah. it would be another level so. and and vice versa actually because i think that the way we would play it live might present a challenge for how to record it as well mm. because you don't because for recording you obviously want it to sound as clean as possible and to whereas like if it's kind of messy live it's not that yeah. big of a deal mm. in a way but we're also we're we're using loops in kind of a textural way so that it's not as well, there's one song that's where it's kind of rhythmic and it's kind yeah. of yeah. Like, we have a um, a Roland Juno 106 that we're using for most of these pieces, and then basically like Jeff is just recording either like sort of an ambient like abstract drone that he creates on the keyboard, and then running it through a loop pedal. Or some of them have a little bit more of a like specific melody that we're mm-hmm. like I'll tap it out on like my floor tom or something while he does the loop, and then we'll. Um, play over that loop so Mm -hmm. it's definitely adding a layer of like complications to everything and (laughs) and even when we just like try to rehearse things too it's like okay we lost the loop somewhere in the process so you know we have to get a little like tighter and that's um, that's kind of why we're trying not to write songs that are so dependent on following the loop because more just like a droney kind of yeah Yeah, Yeah. i mean which is to say that we're still doing that a couple times, but it, it's just a matter of making sure that if if she can hear the loop, that's the most important yeah, thing sure. because because then once once the drums and and the the bassline or whatever it is are are locked in, then then he can follow on top of that, and that's a little easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like as long as I can, and we've we're getting a little better at it, um, just by you know nature of <laughs> working on it more. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, if, yeah. As long as I can hear the loop, then I can play along to the loop, and then Jeff can play on top of me in a you know sort of like cascading way. But I think we're also just kind of reaching a point where we're comfortable just kind of experimenting with things, just to kind of see what happens, because 
we, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there are limits to what we can do since there are only, <laughs> only two, two of us. There's only two of us, yeah. <laughs> but, and, I, and I, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of stretching them yeah. pretty far. Yeah. But, but, you know, so we're, we're like, okay, well, let's see what happens if we add something to it. And um, we've really been happy with the results so far. So, um, so I think that there's a lot of kind of terrain to, to continue mm-hmm. to be explored. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Well, let's take another quick break and sure. listen to the other track you sent me. This one is called The Greater Good. shorter than you remembered uh, <laughs> we actually most of our songs are pretty short <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, tell me about that that track um uh, uh that's our most political track that is yeah. kind of yeah. our most yeah. political track um i uh, on an on a literal level i wrote it from the perspective of basically being chased by an angry mob um but at the Time. It was during it was during the 2016 election. It was right? yeah. It was shortly after um, Trump got the nomination mm-hmm. for for the Republican candidate for president, and that kind of made me panic a little, <laughs> rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you write a lot of political music, or did that just? Come um, out? I have been more lately. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. That's actually a theme that's come up in a few podcasts. Yeah. I was yeah. saying I didn't used to write political music, but now well, it's just coming out. <laughs> I think it would happen regardless because there's just there's injustices and there's there's yeah. things mm-hmm. that are um, really 
awful that are happening in the world and i and i think that that would probably come out one way or another but i think that there's actually like a pretty blatant face that Mm -hmm. you can put to a lot of it right now Mm -hmm. um but yeah i was just kind of seeing kind of the weird really unsettling things that were happening at trump rallies and and it it just kind of gave me this really gross feeling like i don't i don't think we're heading in in the right direction Mm -hmm. right now and so i just kind of wrote this you know uh this song from kind of the perspective of like our worst instincts taking over and kind of killing us in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, as much as, um, it's not necessarily, oh, I don't even want to say like, Oh, it's not our intention to be a political band. Cause like, <laughs> fuck that. We're going to be a political band if we want to be a political <laughs> right. band. But like, we, we're I not, we're not like going to say that we're not because we are. And we're going to talk about, you know, if, if something's wrong and if something's and I, like know. we played, um, we had our EP release on the, it was the night before Trump's inauguration. And like, we hmm. were very, very obvious in having like anti-Trump, um, you know, propaganda at the show. <laughs> um, I mean, we were sell- like our, our friend Ryan was selling his book that was called Donald Trump is a loser. Mm-hmm. And and the book was basically just the phrase Donald Trump is a loser, like thousands of times. Wow. Yeah. Just like 300 pages oh, wow. of Donald Trump is a loser. And but we had, it was like a Trump pinata. And I mean, it yeah. was, you know, like we're, we're pretty obvious and do not hide behind who we are in terms of political points of view. But like, you know, I, we both get super frustrated when we see people being like, oh, leave politics out of, you know, art or television or sports or whatever. Because, like, you know, we everything is politics. Like, to pretend like you can ignore politics is to come from a place of extreme privilege. Because the decisions that are made on by politicians across the country affect people's lives on the most basic level. So for anyone to sit back and be like, well, I'm not going to be political. That means that your life is so comfortable that it's not being affected by these decisions and that you have some autonomy in your life. And there are so many people who don't Mm -hmm. that like to be that complacent, just like we just can't be like that. Mm. Um, And, and it's, it's not even necessarily just speaking about like people running for office. Cause I think that that's such a, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a part of politics, but it's, it's more that like, there are decisions being made every day that affect people's lives that maybe they don't realize or don't think about. And, and affect people's lives that maybe you don't know these people, but mm-hmm. like it, it can be really harmful. You know, I'm just thinking about like everything that's happening with ICE right now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, people that are, what was it, 1,500? 1,500 kids that kids they, they that, like can't even account for that were taken into custody by um, Border Patrol. Like it just um, those sorts of things that like. They're just, they just get lost in the system. And it's, it's just really awful because it's like these are people's lives, you know. Yeah. Like, it, you know. I you, mean, we're 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 not going to be nearly, you know, so um, self-important as to think that like anything that we write is going to make people is going to, you know, change sure. the system. But like, I think, I I think you, you, you just do what you can in your own mm-hmm. individual way. It's not even so much. Well, I mean, I, I it'd be great if somebody heard our song and would be like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is fucked up. But, <laughs> but I don't think that's really how people are going to see it. But that being said, um, for for people like us who who are like have, you know, like small panic attacks reading the news every day, <laughs> um, I think it's good to have this outlet where we can talk about these things that are frustrating us, um, which isn't to say that we're 
powerless in any way. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we vote, we, we give to organizations that do good work. We um, call our Congress. We call our Congress people regularly. People, um, <laughs> and we're actually, you know, we live in a district that's where we're lucky that, um, we have elected uh, we have representatives elected that, that actually, yeah. for the most part, like do, you know, do what we'd like we them would. to do. But there's also another danger in that is, is, and it's like, do we become complacent? Well, yeah, then it's you like, get well, complacent again. Yeah. You can see this is like a running theme with us: is like sure. complacency is evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I I I just think that that it's it's um, art is always going to be political in one way or another. If yeah. you choose not to engage with what's happening in the world, that. In that itself in itself is a, is a political statement, yeah. you know. It's so true. yeah, to, to pretend like uh, there's no politics in what you do as an artist is just super disingenuous. Mm. And you know, we're, we we obviously don't have all the answers or anything, but I think we we are asking questions, and that's that's yeah. that's an important thing to do. I mean, the, the questions are just as important as the answers. Sure. Yeah. I'm also hearing from you a common theme of using music as an outlet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For whatever you're processing or your whatever's going on. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's just such a a cathartic tool for humans. And again, like there's something just really primal and, you know, sound like a drum nerd and talking about like (laughs) rhythms and heartbeats and like how it's just like Mm -hmm. so much a part of who we are. But um, yeah, I think everyone on some level like feels like a spiritual connection to music. I mean, everyone, it's going to be a different genre, a different mm-hmm. style, whatever, but mm-hmm. most people can find something in music that like really speaks to them mm-hmm. on a very sort of like deep level that they can't quite express. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, people all over the world throughout history. Yeah. Music it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Who you are, where you come from, race, gender, whatever, like everyone connects to music in some way. And it's such a funny thing because music is such a uh, an ephemeral art form because you kind of hear it and then it just kind of disappears and it's mm-hmm. gone and it's uh, I mean you can listen to it again but it's it's not like something tangible mm-hmm. or, or something mm-hmm. that you can kind of you know just have right in front of you that you can you know engage with on a more material level so it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a weird thing but it's it's it speaks to as Candace was saying it speaks to people on a primal level. And it's kind of this weird, uh, it's like a secret code or something, you know, <laughs> that it, it kind of unlocks these kind of deep emotional recesses within people. Mm. And that's that's kind of something that I find really, really fascinating about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like what you said, because it also, it asks for time from the audience mm-hmm. in a way that other, yeah. other pieces of art don't. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, we actually, we, um, not too long ago, we were having a conversation with, um, a guy who plays in a ska band in, um, in London. And he was talking about like, he, he played a show where like a bunch of his family was there, or maybe it was even like a family event that he was playing. It might've been. Yeah. And afterwards he was talking to like an uncle or something and he was like, so, you know, uncle so-and-so, what did you think of our set? And the uncle's reply was like, well, I just don't really like music. 
and, and we are so always weird. so yeah. baffled by that this like strange. like i mean i get saying like i don't like this style of music mm. like not you know but, but i don't like music that's like saying i don't like colors you or know i or don't like, like food yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i just can't yeah. understand that it's so it's so broad it's such a wow. big thing and it's and so I, strange yeah i mean obviously you know we talk about how we like we like dark music we like dark arts we like dark aesthetics but but music to me regardless of of intent or or what kind of the content of the music is is such a joyful thing for me that i i almost get kind of irritated if i go too long without listening Mm -hmm. to music like something's something's wrong if Mm -hmm. i haven't been listening to music um you know like yeah i talk about listening to podcasts or whatever but i've uh you know i can't some people binge on podcasts, mm-hmm. and I, I I listen to a little bit at a time, but I I, I always have to be listening to music at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing happens to me. I'm like, yeah. it's, I've been driving too long just on podcasts, and you yeah. go back to mm-hmm. music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if uh, people want to find your music or find you guys, do you have any shows coming up? Not at the moment, because okay. we're, we're kind of concentrating our time right now on uh, finishing up all the songs that we're planning on recording. Um, so we're... We're probably not going to get back to playing shows for a couple months. Yeah, we're we're consciously trying to like not play some live shows right now because yeah. we really need to focus in on songwriting. Um, but you can find our um, EP online, um, so you can find that at our Bandcamp page, which is Bandcamp dot. No, <laughs> blood ponies. Blood. Is there a hyphen? There's in a hyphen. Yeah. Blood hyphen ponies. Dot bandcamp.com. That no. was it. I well, was thinking for some reason I was thinking it was the other way around. And we're also That's, we're also on an Instagram and Instagram Twitter and Facebook. Facebook and do you, do you get any traction on Twitter? I have Twitter. I don't know what to do with it. Um, <laughs> not so much for the band. No, I feel yeah. like it's like slowly growing. But, I feel like yeah. Twitter is like the least engaging platform. Yeah. for bands. For bands, for yeah. sure. Um, our Instagram, I think, is probably our Instagram gets the, gets the, the most. most. Yeah, um, we have the most followers and. Yeah, it lends itself well to, I guess, just kind of getting the word out, um, especially because you can post like short videos. videos and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's probably why. Yeah. yeah, like our one of our last posts was a short teaser of one of the new songs that we're working on. So very cool. And you guys have a great aesthetic, so that's great for Instagram too. <laughs> yeah. <Thank you. laughs> we do post sometimes. Just post like, um, I mean, like we try to be really you know, curated and what we put out for the band, but at the same time, like, Jeff and I are just also kind of dorks and we'll, like, post pictures of the cat in our rehearsal mm-hmm. space yeah. and, like, you know, <laughs> random we do, we do have a black cat, so it, of, it works. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks, thanks guys for coming to the studio. Absolutely. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you so yeah, much for fun. having us. Thanks again for listening to episode number 14 of the Sunshine Sound podcast. You know, you can always find older episodes at sunshinesoundcenter.org, plus some other fun stuff about Sunshine Sound Center. We are also on all the socials on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and we'll use those pages to not only give you updates on SSC, but also to give you some updates on what the artists who come on this show are up to, and you can also just kind of see what's going on in the San Diego music scene. That's what we're all about. So if you want to get in contact with me, have any suggestions for other guests, any questions, any comments, you can contact me at Christine with the C at 
at sunshinesoundcenter.org. And thank you to Tommy Bobcat for helping with the audio engineering and all that good stuff. And I will talk to you again soon. Have a good one.